This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issue that affects you. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Republican lawmakers recently passed legislation that critics say could devastate public school funding in Michigan. Supporters, on the other hand, say that it's about giving students and families more choice over their educational options. So both the state house and Senate have passed separate bills on this, which Governor Gretchen Whitmer has promised to veto. But now there's a group saying it'll try to circumvent the governor with a petition initiative. Oh, we've heard this play before. (laughs) The mechanics of the bills and the initiative are a bit complicated. So we brought in someone who has been following them very closely to explain. Colin Jackson is the state capital reporter for the Michigan Public Radio Network in Lansing. Colin, welcome to Mishmash. Thank you. I have waited a long on time to hear those words and they feel just as sweet as I imagined they would. So, so Colin, uh, give us just a quick explanation about what these bills or that likely petition initiative would actually do. Yeah. So basically at the heart of these bills, it's the creation of something called student opportunity scholarships. There would be these funds that would allow for uh, qualifying families to pay for different education related expenses, uh, whether that's after school program fees, uh, sports related fees for public schools. But the big crux of this is they could also pay for costs like private school tuition which a lot of critics are saying this is unconstitutional, uh, especially since the main funding mechanism for these student opportunity scholarships would be tax incentive-driven donations. So if I'm somebody I want to donate to these uh, student opportunity scholarships, I would in turn receive a tax break. And people are saying this basically amounts to a constitutional violation that would send public money toward private schools for education. And that's against the state constitution. So aside from the constitutional question here, opponents are saying that these measures would be devastating for public school funding. What is the concern about public school funding? One of the main concerns would be with more opportunity for people to switch away from public schools and mm-hmm. instead go toward private schools, that's just fewer students. Uh, fewer students means fewer dollars for public schools. So to my knowledge, at least, or at least my assumption would be that is one of the main concerns that these bills would help weaken public schools, especially if more people start leaving public schools for uh, these private schools or parochial schools or whatever options would be available aside from public schools. The idea being that people would be sending their kids to private schools if it wasn't so expensive that they could afford it. Yeah, at least that would be my understanding of what one of the concerns are. So opponents have already pointed out that you can now, right now as we speak without these bills, donate money to private schools and get a tax write-off for doing that. It's the fact that this is a tax credit, right, that puts it in sort of a different category. Yeah, exactly. So this would be a tax credit. Um, Proponents are saying this is basically carefully crafted so it doesn't violate the state constitution. Uh, Some proponents, I talked with State Representative Brian Posthumus uh, when these bills first came out, and he went so far as to venture uh, speaking with me as well as on the House floor, that the actual clause in the state constitution that would prevent this, um, it goes against the federal constitution. Hmm. So there's a little bit to be worked out here if these bills actually do get passed. Or, I mean, the bills probably won't get passed. They're almost sure to get a veto from Gretchen, from Governor Whitmer. Uh, but in case the signature drive is successful and these bills become law, they're almost sure to receive some sort of legal challenge. So why are proponents saying that this is needed? You can already give money to a private school and get a tax benefit of it from it. So 
why, why do they care about this so much? At least one of the things that came up during committee testimony was people saying that, especially during the pandemic, when uh, local schools or public schools in their area weren't closed, were closed to in-person education or they didn't have some sort of in-person option for students, a lot of students were falling behind or people were saying their student, their children were falling behind in class while their private schools in their area they were doing in-person instruction, um, especially we heard a lot of people with special needs kids uh, speak and testify saying, well, the school wasn't providing these options for me that I could get at a private school. So that is part of the reason behind the urgency. Now, if you ask the Democrats on their side, the uh, those opposed to it, why is this a priority? I've heard a lot from the Democrats that they believe this is tied to the campaign finance deadline and there are certain interests or certain power brokers in the state that would like to see this accomplished. Hence the rapid pace that we saw this introduced and sent to the governor's desk. Um, I believe the House bill took 12 days between first reading and going to governor's desk and the Senate bills, I believe, took 13 days. So you can make with what that timeline as you like. Yeah, when it comes to the the financiers and so forth that uh, that are being sort of floated as possible people pushing this and, and wanting to make it happen now before that deadline, uh, you know, there's a word that comes to mind. It starts with a D, ends with Ivos. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, take with that what you will. But uh, speaking of which, the DeVos family, who, of course, do... Uh, give a lot of money to Republicans in the legislature here in Michigan. We're behind a petition initiative uh, a while back that would create a voucher system here in Michigan. That was handily, handily defeated uh, by voters. Uh, and so there is a feeling amongst people who uh, oppose these sorts of measures uh, that this is a very unpopular thing. Uh, speaking of, of that, though, Colin, there is this push to push to to get a petition initiative together, which if for listeners who've listened to us before, you know that it is a not easy process, but the threshold to circumvent a governor's vote in this state is pretty low in terms of the number of voters that would have to sign their name on a piece of paper to make that happen. Uh, what is the status of the petition initiative effort at this point uh, to get this um, you know, in front of the legislature so that it's veto-proof? Yeah, so the petition effort, uh, it's from this group, Let My Kids Learn. Uh, they've announced it uh, earlier this week. So like you mentioned, the threshold is relatively low. Uh, they would basically need to gather 340,047 valid signatures. And with that, the Republican-dominated legislature would be able to take up this uh, petition and adopt it into law completely circumventing the governor. I spoke with Fred Zolek, who's the spokesperson uh, for this uh, effort earlier this week, and he kind of just alluded to something that's already been becoming more and more clear, that for Republican priorities, especially uh, ones that Democrats won't sign on to during divided government, this seems to be the preferred way of getting those done. We've seen this happen before with Unlock Michigan. Uh, we've seen this before with Secure My Vote. Actually, that's currently ongoing in terms of trying to get some of these election-related bills uh, passed or at least into law without needing the governor's signature. The governor has already vetoed uh, several of those efforts before. 
So with this particular petition effort, where it stands is they're waiting to have what's called the 100-word summary petition uh, from the state from the Board of State Canvassers. Uh, that's essentially 100-word summarizing petition that'll appear at the beginning of the ballot or at the beginning of the form to tell people what it's about. Uh, having the Board of State Canvassers write this and approve it is kind of an insurance step to keep them from being sued later on down the road or have the Board of State Canvassers say, hey, you're petition summary was misleading. We can't verify or validate these petitions. Um, So we're waiting to see when the Board of State Canvassers is going to meet again. And then from there, it's expected that they'll approve uh, the petition, the summary of form and the or the summary of the petition, as well as the actual form of the petition. And then from there, uh, speaking with Fred Zolik, uh, the spokesperson for Let My Kids Learn, he said that he's hoping around December 1st they can start to get uh, canvassers on the ground gathering signatures. I feel like this whole, I'm going to call it a loophole, in <laughs> Michigan law that allows for something that was vetoed by the governor to become law as long as there is a, you know, a, a unified legislature Uh, at least, you know, one party in power in the legislature is something that I think if more people were aware of it, would they would find it very frustrating uh, because this is kind of I mean, it's 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 allowing for a law to pass based on the voice of what, like 300,000 people. Um, So is has and this is something that has happened, as you mentioned, multiple times before. Are there any efforts or discussions in Lansing to try and get rid of this this loophole? Not that I've heard of so far. I spoke with, uh, about the day it was announced earlier this week, uh, Democratic minority or House Minority Leader Donna Lazinski, who leads the Democrats in the state house, uh, she mentioned that her caucus is predictably against this effort. Um, But she didn't say anything specifically about plans to try to change the state constitution to remove this loophole. Um, I think just in general, uh, people have been speaking relatively highly about the way to get uh, ballot initiatives passed, um, just in terms of the way it's been currently used lately to circumvent divided government, I think Democrats are relatively unhappy with. But I really haven't been able to gauge the appetite for changing that yet. Um, One thing I do find interesting, though, that I wanted to bring up is just the fact that if they are going to go through the petition effort, um, Jake, you mentioned earlier that past efforts to create an actual school voucher program were defeated pretty handily at the ballot, uh, is they're going through the SUA ballot initiative rather than a constitutional amendment. And to me, if this is an issue of constitutionality, uh, because this is as it is, if it does become law, it's still likely to face some sort of lawsuit or some sort of legal challenge. Uh, A constitutional amendment would solve some of those issues of whether or not this goes against the state constitution, uh, but that would also require kind of a more involved uh, process with gathering more signatures and more vote, needing more votes in the legislature and everything else. So this seems to be the kind of way that things are going to be for a little bit, at least as long as uh, Michigan's in divided government. If you missed our episode, by the way, on Mishmash about why this system of petition initiatives in Michigan is, as we say, broken. Uh, We talked with Zach Gorchow of Gongwer News Service about that. Go back and check that one out after this one because it is really interesting. And also keep in mind when you see people out there gathering signatures, just know, based on Michigan law, I'm not just saying this, it's true, 
they are legally allowed to lie to you, and you need to read the petition before you sign it. That's just my PSA for everyone today during this show. Another thing to, to keep in mind, too, is that Democrats have used this petition initiative process many times when they did not have uh, a Democratic governor in office. So uh, it is something to, to consider that it, it's not necessarily a partisan issue that anytime you have divided government and you have, uh, you know, one party in control of the legislature and another party in the governor's office, uh, you can kind of expect this to happen at this point in Michigan. Um, and, and you will see what happens with redistricting, but it's possible the shoe could be on the other foot at some point as well. So it's something for, for I think, Democrats to keep in mind is that um, if you think the process is unfair fundamentally, uh, then that's one thing. But if it's for partisan purposes, it can always come back to bite you, uh, you know, uh, in the end, if, if you think if that's the reason that you're pursuing something like getting rid of the petition initiative uh, process, but it is pretty funky. I will say the process itself is, uh, it, it's sort of a, uh, you know, again, we, as we said before, it's, it's sort of broken. Um, but Colin Jackson, uh, reporter for the Michigan Public Radio Network, great to have you here on Mishmash. It's been great to hear your reporting uh, over the last few months and uh, keep up the great work. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been really great just being back in Michigan, getting reacquainted with Michigan politics. Uh, Kentucky was nice, but Michigan definitely is home. And that's all for Mishmash. I'm Shana Roth. And I'm Jake Neer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.